You're listening to Rock the Boat, a show about Asian Americans who challenge the status quo. Our past guests have included Andrew Yang, Michelle Fawn, Patrick Lee, and more. Our mission is to champion diversity in radio and elevate the voices of Asian Americans through storytelling. I'm your host, Lucia Liu. Hi, listeners. Welcome to part two of my conversation with the Boba Guys co-founders, Bin Chen and Andrew Chow. In part one, I spoke with Bin and Andrew about starting Boba Guys and the events that led up to them making the tough decision to shut down their 17 stores and lay off 90% of their workforce due to COVID-19. You don't have to listen to these episodes in order, but if you're curious about Ben and Andrew's origin story, I recommend you listen to part one before diving into part two. We left off in part one with Andrew explaining the unique communication style of the Boba Guys brand and what prompted him and Ben to create a brand with the goal of making Asian culture more accessible. But now, nine years later, we live in a completely different environment where most metropolitan areas are under a shelter-in-place protocol, and the future of their business is in question. I spoke with Andrew and Ben over the phone last week to get an inside look at the situation. You brought up like the current environment and how the coronavirus has actually impacted the way people view Asian Americans, and it was something that you guys wanted to address with Boba Guys initially in uh, 2009, 2010, when you first started Boba Guys. Tell me like at, at your peak, like as Boba Guys was growing, where were you guys at in terms of employees, in terms of locations? We had 17 locations and we laid off 400 across all our stores. Basically all our stores shut down. And now everybody knows the quarantines are going to go through April. So there's really no reason to open a store in April. And when you say shut down, do you mean that they're not permanently closed? They're temporarily closed? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. The term we've used is what we call hibernating. It's when a business essentially goes on to only essential or must have, like no one's going in and out. Ben and I had a long conversations about like health and then, I'm sure everybody knows, and I'll answer briefly about it. Is like everybody knew I had a little bit of a inside information because I work with the government so much, and so I knew how serious it was before everybody else did. And so my own team asked, "How serious is it, Andrew?" I, I had just come back from D.C. at the time, and I had testified in front of Congress. And obviously, given my role in both small business and in the Asian community. I was seeing both the hate on one side and then the small business infrastructure about to die. And we were obviously one of the first ones to pull the emergency brake and go into hibernation, which, but Ben and I have to make the decision together. We deliberated and we felt it was both in the best interest of the team because we were afraid that our team was going to get sick more than anything. Cause we still had like four or five stores that were killing it. We, we had Palo Alto that had like an hour wait. And but it, we didn't want to be like, you know, two months from now, especially now that we're kind of deeper into it, right. people saying, well, Boba guys had that long line. What is, that's not social distancing. And we exactly. just did not. You, you didn't want, want to be that. part of that. Yeah. No, we'll figure out on our end. And then because I knew what we were trying to do in the government side, uh, like, let me focus our energy on helping create the right type of legislation and bills, both locally and uh, statewide and federally to help. Can you small talk, businesses. can you talk a bit about 
testifying. So what was that kind of experience like? And what was the message that you were trying to get across during that testimonial? A good, sure. Sorry, Ben, if this is more about than my questions. <laughs> Ask Ben about the, the, the culture. He'll get the next several culture questions. But about the <laughs> testifying. Yes. I'm secretly eating lunch and packing orders while I listen. So it's, it's a, I was going to say, yeah, Ben's like secretly just packing more things. <laughs> he is, he is. He's like letting I'm Andrew talk like... and just. <laughs> he is, well, we, we have more than, well, we announced it as 500, but we have every day we're like getting further and further behind on e-commerce orders. And mm-hmm. there's like a running joke. Cause every time I go online, we get more and more e-commerce orders. And so, yeah the joke from our remaining team is like, well, if you keep on doing that, you're going to, you're, you're, we're getting overwhelmed. So you might want to stop pitching your tea. And I'm like, well, I'm not even pitching tea. I'm just talking about what we're making at home, but we have a crazy community, which we are so grateful. So, so you're on Capitol Hill and you were testifying in front of the government about how uh, hard yeah. small businesses were getting hit. So here's what I could share. Right around February, I kind of knew something was up. And then um, in the small business and API world, I so I worked with the group. Ben and I kind of got tapped, and then I kind of really led on behalf of Boba Guys, which is there's different organizations, but one is called WIAPI, which is the White House Initiative for Asian American Pacific Islanders. And our, our a great friend, Tina Way Smith, heads it up right now. And that's really kind of liaison between the Asian American community and the president, the White House. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is I'm on the board of National ACE, which is a it's the National Chamber of Commerce's and Entrepreneurship Group. So all Got the it. Chamber of Commerce's across the United States, there's thousands of them. They all roll generally back up into one larger group, which is called National ACE, which is I'm, I'm on the board of. So I'd always been, I don't put this on Boba Guys and even on my personal Instagram, a lot of people don't wonder what I'm doing with my time, that is actually, I've been doing that for years. I think Ben might be the only person and maybe my chief of staff, Jesse, the only people who really knew what I did behind the scenes. And I was like, Ben, I got to go to DC. And you're like, what? In the middle of this corona? I was like, yeah, I think it's going to about to come to the US mm-hmm. big time. They wanted me to speak on two things. One is small business because the committee that, that we work with a lot is the House Small Business Committee, both yeah. uh, houses of Congress. You have the Chambers of Commerce, you have the House Committee, and then you have the Senate Committee. The Senate, which is run by you know, Marco Rubio and I think Susan Collins, she, they are the ones who passed the $2 trillion stimulus that we saw recently. Yeah. The House also can pass bills, which you have Judy Chu on that. You have Nidia Velasquez from New York. We have Mark Kim mm-hmm. from New Jersey. So that committee we kind of knew. And they said, can you actually do it on record? Because- You know, a lot of it is giving them information and painting a picture of what it's like. And they have experts come into these hearings. The very famous one everybody remembers is probably Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers went to testify to get funding for educational television. And I think in that way, Ben knows this because Ben knew, is that why you're watching all these Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers videos? (laughs) And it was true. I actually was because we really had to tell the government, you got to help us. And I think I went on March 10th and they knew just so everybody knows the government does generally know they, they have to listen to the constituents. And at the time, most of the constituents were already raising the alarm. The problem mm-hmm. is the mainstream media and the general public thought it was just an Asia or Italy thing at the time. Right. Yeah. So long story short, I said that. And then I said something about racism, which I also talked about 
because I said, you're also going to see a lot of racism. This is March 10th. And then now we see it. So I remember getting some texts or emails um, from people right when that testimony happened, because I, I, we did some news and we, we kind of, it kind well, of went t- public. T- yeah. Tell me about how you guys decided to, to post that on social. I mean, we are, I think everyone that knew what was going on knew it was pretty serious. And I think that there was, there was obviously bigger things at, at play. Had, you know, I think there was a lot of, there was a couple of weeks where it's like, hey, I can't say uh, yes or no, but it's in, it's in our best interest to prepare for this. And so I think that's where, you know, with information comes great responsibility. And I think for us, we were one of the earliest companies to kind of go into hibernation. I think that, you know, we feel for a lot of the um, small businesses and restaurants that are still, you know, fighting this, you know, to stay open and also take care of their employees. But we also knew that that was like, that was going to be a really tough road for, for a lot of companies. And so I think the moment, the moment that he had to get on an emergency flight to DC, I knew that that was, that was, that was kind of a signal for, for, for yeah. big things to come. And so that's exactly yeah. what happened two weeks later. That's, that's when all the sheltered in places all started to happen. How did you round up the employees and deliver the message? Lots and lots of Google Zoom hangouts. And Google hangouts. Yeah. Um, I think that was that was the most painful part. I think. Yeah. How did your employees take the message? Well, that I think that was. I think we were not surprised, but maybe outsiders might be surprised. But everyone really. I think that's just a testament to our culture. Everyone, they all understood. It's not that they weren't, it was overall just sad. I think a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they, some of us, some of the employees have been with us for six years, you know, four years, seven years. That's a really long time in our business where the average turnover rate is a hundred percent, which means if you join at Starbucks this year, the same amount of people are going to be gone by next year. So if you bring in a thousand people, a thousand new people will will show up to take their place. And so we just had so many people that were such long tenure, and even sure. the ones that were short term. I think they just really, they really, they were really sad about what we built. And but they also kind of understood. And so we were shocked. I don't know if I was shocked, but we were just pleasantly surprised that you know amidst crisis, people could take it so well. And I think that's a testament to the, the company we've built. And, you know, yeah. a lot of them are just like, Hey, you know, when you're ready, you know, when a store comes back up, please, you know, let us know, you know, we're, we're here. Mm, that's we're great. Ready. And yeah. so, you know, right now we've been head down doing what we can, which is, you know, taking care of our e-commerce, taking care of making sure that employees that have our healthcare can, can still access healthcare. And then just basically figuring a way out of this because it's, this yeah. is, bigger than just our company. You know, we couldn't solve it just on our own. Yeah, for sure. And how did you both come to the conclusion that you, you wanted to go public about this? This has actually been, I'm going to ask for, for forgiveness in this one. This is something that I, I actually specifically wanted to hold for someone either like like you guys, because you guys are a platform for Asian American leaders and, and people who rock the boat. We never really shared this part. The reason why I went to Congress, because to be honest, I didn't actually want to go. I I was actually just worried about our own company because I knew we, we had so many stores in development. So for better or worse, it did, even though we could prepare for it, our, we're at the size where it's like shutting down the Titanic. It's just really hard. and we're, But we're not big enough that we could absorb everything. 
which is like a VC funded companies. So we're in this weird limbo. And so on one hand, I was dealing with that. On the other hand, as we did when we were starting Boba Guys as entrepreneurs, Ben and I are both essentially entrepreneurs at the core, we realize in that every time we see something broken, we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I actually think there's two things that are broken. Obviously, the economic structure and our form of capitalism is a whole separate story, but that's not this podcast. It's That's broken. But I do think culture, and specifically Asian American culture, could be tweaked as well. I wouldn't say broken, but it, it could be tweaked in that mm-hmm. You rarely will ever see an Asian American testify, unless it's about Asian American hate crimes or something. You won't see Asian Americans testify. They just don't work in politics. So mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to do that was because it's rare to see an Asian dude go into, you know, Capitol Hill and do something like that. Yeah. I myself am a political junkie, and I don't actually see him. I don't even see people who look like me there. And so that's number one. And then related to that is when we're doing layoffs, and Ben, don't get mad at me, but Ben like bald on a couple of these terminations. And I, I've only seen Ben cry, I think, once before that, if that. Ben was like, we were letting go of our marketing team, which you could tell marketing people are like super core to our culture because we're very brand driven. But yeah, it was so hard. And the one I remember, I was like, wow. you know, And we were all crying. Like we were all crying so hard. And I, at the time, I didn't know if I wanted my team to see us cry because we're watching, we're on Google Hangout. So you literally can watch Ben cry. And I didn't record it, Ben. <laughs> but I was just like, wow, I've actually, you know, Ben is usually the Spock and I'm like Captain Kirk. And to me, when he broke like that, I actually think I knew, you know, first of all, I right away, if there wasn't any doubt, I knew I had like a business partner for life. Like, mm-hmm. Because he's already really analytical and smart and all the stuff that is great. But the human side, people don't get to see it side of him. And for me, people see the human side a lot because of my personal Instagram and all that. Everybody knows Andrew has a certain leadership style that's very open. Mm-hmm. But the, the shrewdness maybe is what I don't people don't see is that I obviously am business trained. So when I saw that, that was really when I knew we had to go public the reason we wanted to go public was you would never see companies go vulnerable. My friend who did the article that told the public that we, we laid off 400 employees, he said, Andrew, can I share this with the public? And I said, well, if you do that, it's going to make me look really weak. Number one, they're going to think I'm going to go out of business. So if I want a bank, the bank is going to be like, well, you let go of all these employees. I'm not going to give you a loan. You're weak. And another one is like, well, if I wanted to bring in investors one day, they're going to be like, look, you were weak. And even on just the general public who see us being so vulnerable, look, you're weak. And I think that's where I kind of, when I thought about that, I was like, well, screw it. Cause I don't think that's actually what weakness looks like. And I went public with it. And I told Ben and our COO left um, Katie, I said, I'm going to have to do this because this is on, this is what we do. We have something internally, which we never share with the public, but it's one of our core leadership traits. It's called confident vulnerability. You guys, anybody on our team, I've been teaching this for five, four or five years. The term is called confident vulnerability. And we have to be confident in our ability to be open and vulnerable. And I wish every Asian American leader and more leaders can emerge listening to this. It's okay to show emotions, to be sensitive, to be vulnerable, but you just got to be confident about it. And if you could do that and inspire and get make that normal, you're able to transform the AAPI community because I think that's what's missing the most. 
A hundred percent. And also to echo what you said earlier, testifying, coming out, speaking, something that I'm working on with this podcast is trying to get more Asian American leaders to start sharing their stories. Mm. There's so many Asian American leaders at the top echelons of many different companies, or they've started their own companies, but we don't really get to hear their stories, right? Like Steve Chen, like I haven't had a chance to interview him, but like I haven't seen his story out from an Asian perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I interviewed Patrick Lee, like I had no idea that Rotten Tomatoes was founded by a team of Asians. Like (laughs) we just need to, right? So I think we as Asian Americans need to start building our own personal brands, start coming out, telling stories. I want to kind of go back to something you said earlier that you wanted to share. Obviously right now it's a really difficult time, but you credit the amazing community that you've built. I kind of want to get the opportunity for you guys to share some stories that, you know, things that your community has done during this time when after you announced all the layoffs and you guys have gone into hibernation. Yeah, I'll I'll say from a kind of just even support side, we've seen so much, you know, so many people have reached out in in ways that were surprising that weren't just like, hey, we'll order your book and, and this and that. We've gotten People come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I've believed in you guys. I've always wanted to support you and and I have the means to, you know, are you guys open to taking investment, which was really shocking, at the, you know, especially in this time when everyone's feeling the crunch. So that's 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 pretty promising. But then just even small, small things from from our fans of like, even on the last day, people would be sending in order ahead orders and they're just like, hey, you don't have to make this drink. Yeah. I just want I just wanted to tip your employees. And so that was really cool. We got a lot of e-com orders that are just like that. They're like, hey, take your time. And no, I know you're the guy packing it. (laughs) So I was like, thank you so much. Uh, And so I think those, those are the little human things that I think make up, make up a company, make up a community and, you know, kind of define who you are. And it's always, it's always really telling, especially in terms of times of crisis, like people's true colors. And I think that's where we're so thankful to have such a supportive team, but also our, our fans around the world. Like it's, it's really awesome that, you know, I, I think we put an innocuous post about like, Hey, we have lots of leftover boba from our factory. You know, we're, we're, we're the only, we're the only boba factory that makes boba here in the United States. And for those that don't know, most of it comes from Asia, primarily Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of dreamed really big a couple of years ago to build this factory and we make boba here in Hayward, California. And, you know, that one, that one's kind of, uh, we'll have to see if we can keep continuing to do that. I mean, right now the priority is on the stores, but in the meantime, we're left in the lurch with, you know, cases and cases of boba. And so what we've been encouraged is that a lot of people, you know, whether they pre order the book or they're watching Andrew just do cooking shows on IG live, but they've been making uh, boba at home, which is really encouraging. And so mm-hmm. now our, our, our goal is to try to, you know, bust through the e-com, but also get them the boba that we manufacture. And then, you yeah, know, I think based on the way that this pandemic is going and also just we're going to be forever changed as, a, as an industry, as a business model, as a world. And so, you know, we just really have to embrace these new models. And part of that is going to be, you know, instead of going to one of our stores you may just be as likely to make it at home. And how can we help you do that? Yeah, maybe boba kits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll that's that awesome. Today. 
That's exciting. So, um, Andrew, at the top of the episode, you mentioned doing your daily stand-ups. What's the day-to-day like now for you guys? Yeah, so uh, every 10 o'clock, we have something called um, a reverse-to-snap touch space. For those on our team who are listening, they know it's an internal thing where we had this huge Avengers Endgame analogy that we had for Boba Guys. Uh, little did we know we would go through part of the plot, which is where Thanos snaps half half of the people away, which is very similar to kind of like losing our core team. But under certain circumstances, we had to. It was the only way out of what, 14,605 scenarios. And yeah. so <laughs> when we meet, it's who's left is me, Ben, Katie, our COO, and Jesse, my chief of staff. And mm-hmm. we still have to process everybody's unemployment. Mm-hmm. I'm applying for loans like crazy. I myself, without getting into it, am I'm not paying myself. And so I'm actually looking to figure out if I even qualify for unemployment, which I hope because my wife is also like, you know, I still got to put food on the table too. Yeah, but um, yeah. in this time that our team isn't getting paid or gone, like we, I also don't want to be that person as well. So we're doing a lot of that. So that's what's taking a lot of time. We're working on coming back as in some shape or form, like with boba kits or maybe some delivery. But the problem is a lot of our stores weren't really made for delivery. And even our product, boba doesn't travel well. Sure. And so we're trying to make it where I think by the time this podcast episode comes out, we're toying with the idea. We probably are going to start announcing it is that Southwest Airlines was known for this idea of a 10-minute turnaround, which Herb Kelleher, the CEO at the time, he was renowned for making the Southwest culture. And I really look up to people like him. And the idea was that a plane could turn around, could unload and load in 10 minutes. And I think mm-hmm. the biggest concern, if we ever came back, as I mentioned earlier, is public health. You know, like we can figure out a business model. We're entrepreneurs. But the health is, it's not like I'm a scientist or health worker who are really putting their lives in danger um, the most. So I, wanna, I don't want to add to the, the problem. So we're trying to figure out a way in which we go online purely digital, which is like a hack between a delivery online only system and a pickup system. And you pick up and you're in and out of a store in less than 10 seconds. So mm. it's like 10 second turnaround. Mm-hmm. Like um, a drive through almost. Almost. Sadly, yeah. we have really expensive real estate, <laughs> but, which is really expensive drive throughs But the idea is that exactly. And it's like saying you come up, you pull up, and you're in and out. So you barely even see and touch anybody, which hurts our interaction. Is there an app in place? Is there an app in the works? That's where Ben, Ben's our... Um, yeah, we built um, we built Order Ahead, which is really great for you know this use case, which is like you don't want to stick around in the stores. And so we rolled it out to all of our stores, which has been really helpful. And we were seeing like so much lift near the end when we were winding the stores down, people, everyone using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, long term, I think as we go and, and raise capital is, you know, like I said, the world has forever changed. And I think this just really fast tracked the idea of an app and, and things that come with that. Yeah. And are you guys uh, currently raising a round? Should we make an announcement, Ben? Uh, another exclusive? Well, here, here's what I could say. Because we wrote about this on the blog. So it's not a secret that we did take an angel round, about a million dollars of angel money, friends and family. But given mm-hmm. our 17 stores and our factory, that, that does not go far. One store costs about half a million dollars to make, right? Yeah. So, and we definitely don't have that money because that's not 
that's not how working capital works. So we have much less than that in the bank as we speak. So we have entertained the idea of raising money. So here's the problem. We don't franchise. That was one of our rules. And the other thing is we didn't want people telling us what to do. That's how Boba Guys got to where we are. The problem is, is that as we keep on growing, and if there's more pandemics possibly, or this thing is going to go on forever, sadly, there is a chance that we might actually then raise. And so what we might, we haven't done this yet. We might actually be very transparent to the public and ask them, you guys vote. You tell us what you guys want. What do you want other small businesses like yours to know? Ooh. I think number one, I think we want to know that we're all in it together and that, you know, if there's one group that can make it out of a true crisis, and this is no shade to anybody in corporate America or anybody in VCs, my friends that are consultants out there, but I've done both corporate side and I've been an entrepreneur and I've been a small business owner. I will tell you by far the hardest being a small business owner, but we are also the most resilient because our mentality is we're more grit driven than my friends who graduated business school that are in consulting. And I love them, but what they don't have, and I know for a fact, because I, I worked alongside them on the other side and I've also done it ourselves. There's nothing like being as gritty as a small business owner. So if there's one segment of society that can make it through this, it's us. I firmly believe this, which is why I'm so hopeful. The hard part is that to be realistic is that there's still a lot more bad things that happen. We still aren't even in the big hump of things. And by the time this comes out, we probably will be in it. At that point, we really got to think about, you know, long-term damage with the economy and then the workforce. And fundamentally, does it change restaurants? Are we losing restaurants forever? Which I do think a lot of restaurants are gone forever. Yeah. Fine dining is probably decimated. So we have a lot of those situations we got to take care of. But I think if there's one group in society, there's 30 million small businesses in America. It is our group that probably could withstand this more than any other segment of workforce. I'm kind of curious, like Ben, from your perspective, doing a lot of the shipping of your e-commerce orders, I think what would you say is like the biggest lesson that you've learned from this from this situation? I think the the biggest lesson is that we had a we had we had a vision of what we thought Boba Guys could be. And I think, you know, even with, you know, this kind of almost act of God force majeure kind of scenario, we haven't really changed. And in fact, this like even being in the office and packing these orders, we've been on both sides of the aisle. We've been both uh, scrappy startup guys that were, you know, just two two guys in a garage. And we've, you know, we've had 400 employees and what we're doing today is the exact same type of leadership that we did when we first started and when we were at our, our peak of employees too. And so I think that that essence and that spirit of, of a company is almost just like a person. And I think for Boba guys, it just happens to be Andrew and I, our personalities kind of combined. And so that's why I, I still remain hopeful. I mean, I think we're just, we're very you know, we're very action oriented and very tactical when it comes to like, you know, what are the next steps? What are the next steps? And a lot of people are counting on us to kind of like, you know, turn the ship around given our means and given our, our access to information. And so I think that's where, I think that's where people ask like, well, will we ever do anything beyond Boba guys? And I think, you know, when you think about that idea, I think it's about, had we written a second book, it was really about like, hey, what is what is the new American 
dream look like? You know, it is no longer being, you know, the biggest, the largest capitalistic uh, company. It might just be, you know, a company with the soul and values. And that's why, like, I'm really optimistic that mm-hmm. when we do make a comeback, that, you know, the same people are going to be there, if not more. And so that's where, that's where I think that was the biggest thing that we learned out of all of this is that, you know, none of this dies because the stores just shut down. I think a lot of it still remains. A lot of it will have to be adapted. A lot of a lot of our work will have to go digital. A lot of our work will have to go into the home. We'll have to look at new business models, but the essence and the spirit is still there. And that's what people connected with so many years ago and, and, and connect to, to this day. Yeah. I love it. it. That's very uplifting. I love the optimism. I can see what you mean, Ben, by saying that Boba Guys is the combination of you and Andrew, and both of you are so optimistic. I think it provides a lot of inspiration and reassurance to other small businesses to hear from the two of you that you have a plan in place, you guys are working through it, and you have this devotion to the community and just this unwavering dedication to Boba Guys. It feels very reassuring. Oh, well, that, that's, thanks for even saying that. I mean, that, that right there is, I mean, that honestly is, is why we, I don't want to get overly sentimental on a podcast. That's why we do it. I, I think I was saying this on a call last week. I, I think I was asking our team, like, how everyone's doing. I think everyone is a little tired. So to say that, oh, this is easy is definitely not. But I think hearing it from you, people who know us and who empathize, I think, that's I just thanks for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Thanks for all you guys do. So last question. Uh, this is our signature question. We mm-hmm. ask this to everybody. It has changed over the course of a few seasons, but how do you intend to rock the boat? Yeah, I, um, I think that in, in, in a time like this, like what I said before about, you know, the spirit of the company and how that, really doesn't change whether we're four people or 400 people or 4,000 people. I think it's like when you become an entrepreneur, you, if you're, if you're the type of person that can't stick to your guns, then I think that's, that's a signal for a lot of people. And you can never really know that until crisis hits. Right. I think that there's like, there's, and people have different stress behaviors and it's totally okay. And I think, um, for how 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 I hope to rock the boat is really like I would say my message personally for anyone that's maybe built similar to me, which are more logical, more um, just you know highly highly rational. I look at everything, even emotional decisions, very rationally. That's uh, the engineering part of you. Absolutely, yep. absolutely, and I think that that's like that's just how I'm built. But at the end of the day, I think that there is still there is still the that that hope of change and i think it's like what andrew said before i didn't want to really want to comment too much about it but but i think yeah i did cry i did cry a lot because i felt like you know we we built this company and i kind of felt like you know wow we let a lot of people down because but so much of it was just really outside of our control and it's true you know like no one for all the small businesses out there like this is no one's fault so and I think I think it takes solace in that, but but what is really encouraging is that you know when you're in that moment where people need you, they need to be comforted that you're going to be there and you're going to show up for them and you're going to stick to your guns. And so 
That's why for those that are maybe more stoic like me, there is those opportunities to be transformative. And I would encourage our community to do that, especially for males out there, to to just let yourself be that. And it, it'll have the opposite effect of what you might think, which is that people will trust you even more. Love it. Thank you for sharing, Ben. And that's why he's my soul. My I have two soulmates, my wife and Ben. <laughs> <laughs> your your wife is soulmate one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the joke that I've been saying is like, how often do you get to find one soulmate in life? But what if you find two? You know, <laughs> no. I think I think I wish I, I not to say this about him and, and make it. Ben and I actually don't. We need a we need like a medium to kind of bring this out of our relationship. Sometimes is but like I I appreciate that of him and the public. I just wish the public knew this side of him more. Yeah, because everybody thinks he's like Spock. And like for me, maybe to count, not the counterpoint, but to kind of add to it, I obviously am more of like the Captain Kirk. So people see the passion, people see the strategy, the thought leadership side of me. But I, I do think the opposite of that is then maybe also, you know, being a leader, being c- cool and collected and calm. And for better or worse, I was always that kid in middle school, high school, college. I was always part of student body, uh, student leadership, student government. I am naturally, you can just tell from the way I'm talking, I'm a more of a type A, which not everybody likes type A's, right? I get it. You know, my <laughs> wife is not a type A. My wife is like, you're so annoying. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry for overachieving. My fault. You know, like, but I honestly, I'm the eldest of the eldest and I'm the eldest grandchild on both sides, 19 cousins. So like, there's a little bit of nur- like nature and nurture, uh, the kind of the product of, of what I've been built. Yeah. Uh, so for better or worse, I, I spent so many years trying to change that. But now, you know, if there's one parting thing about rocking the boat is I was talking to, this is not the name drop because this is not, um, but I think I want to acknowledge it's coming from him. So it's not a name drop. I want to make sure I'm not going to pick this back up. I was actually texting a lot with um, David Fung from the Fung Bros. Yeah. And he had recently wrote a series of posts really about how the Asian American community doesn't rock the boat enough. And then mm-hmm. every time someone like him posts it, and there's a lot of people, especially in the YouTube world, who don't, who don't like to do that. They don't like to rock the boat, which I totally get. I mean, I love them. You know, I get that's just not what they do. They're entertainers or whatever, and that's great. But the ones who truly have platforms and don't rock the boat then shouldn't also, how do you say it, complain about why things don't change and improve. No, no change ever happens by passive like happenstance. I, the one thing that I wish the Asian American community would, would do more, and this is not out of passion or spite or anything. This is all out of love and all out of exhortation to the community. The Asian community likes to say, let the work speak for itself. And I disagree. I think it's a spectrum. I think it's a balance. I think when the moment somebody who normally says, oh, I'm just going to let my work speak for itself, they're doing themselves a disservice because usually the person who says that doesn't also speak up for themselves. They're so they're in their mind, they're convincing themselves that what I did is enough. That is not enough. You need both. So for me, Ben and I, as you can tell from what the, the hour that you've been talking to us, we put in the work. Most Asians, especially which is how you get certain stereotypes. There's no issue of the immigrant work ethic. There's no issue of being analytical. We generally overanalyze. We generally, we think a lot. We are neurotic in, as a culture. We kind of like think about everything. It's why we're good at STEM, uh, stereotypically, but statistically it's technically true. So if that's the case, then what you need to do to balance that 
is to have this idea of storytelling and controlling the narrative for Asian Americans. And I think that's what this community needs more than anything, which is why this podcast is one of my favorites, because the whole idea of it is that you're trying to rock the boat. Whereas 80, 90% of Asian Americans still say, because I see it in everyone's comments, well, I'm going to let the, the work speak for itself, or I don't want to do a TED Talk. You know, I, I, uh, who wants to hear me? And I think that's why Asians, that's why the community has struggled for so long. Until we have a community that over-indexes the other way, then we'll, have it, we'll address it then. But right now we under-index, so we need to have more and more leaders. We, I always say, hashtag, we need leaders, because mm-hmm. we just need more leaders to have what I call big energy, big Asian energy or big energy. That's the only way people that are marginalized or underrepresented, and I speak on behalf of, you know, I'm a, I'm a dude, so I can't say on behalf of women, but whether I talk to women leaders, LGBT leaders, other ethnic minority leaders, we all, I generally, I'm on a lot of nonprofits, so I talk to them. They all have a similar energy. You almost have to punch up. You have to kind of demand the power and take the mic. And we just sit there as a community and generally let it happen. So yeah. the ones that are leading the charge, like Benny from Next Shark, Benny is feisty, you know, like Benny or Asians Never Die, all those groups, Asian Hustle Network, the groups that are really changing the voice and bubbling up all the stuff for journalists out there. It's all the big energy, all the people that are not just letting the action speak for itself. The action's already there. You do need to speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. So the more of that, then the boat will fully rock and it'll probably tip over, which is great because we'll get a brand new boat and we'll all, uh, <laughs> we're good at swimming because we, yeah. So we're going to get like a giant cruise ship. That's the new boat. <laughs> like, like your father, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your, your, full, your good callback. Yeah, full circle. Yeah. <laughs> full circle. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you, Vin, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you, Andrew, for saying that this is one of your favorites. Thank you. Hopefully that we can share more stories like yours and get more people interested in taking charge and doing things. And to your point, not just you know, raising concerns and uh, complaining about it, but truly taking action. Thank Continue you so doing much. you. <laughs> Thanks. Will do. That was Ben Chen and Andrew Chow, the co-founders of Boba Guys. After this very raw and heartfelt conversation with them, I couldn't help but feel like I wanted to do something for them and for the 30 million other small businesses out there. As a former small business owner, I agree with Andrew that it is one of the hardest things that I have ever done in my life. What I learned from our conversation was that as Asian Americans, we need to put ourselves out there more. We need to own our own narratives and not be afraid to show our vulnerability. It was a really bold move for Andrew to disclose the number of people Boba Guys laid off, but in doing so, he was able to get the word out about how critical the situation was for small businesses like Boba Guys. But I also see the resolve and optimism in Ben and Andrew's voices. Ben mentions that it is in times of crisis that founders and brands show their true colors. Something that Ben mentions which resonated with me is that perhaps the new American dream isn't one where you own the largest company or you become the most successful in your category or industry, but more so one in which you create a brand or a company with a soul and with values. 
Lastly, the takeaway that I strongly agree with is what Andrew mentions at the end, which is that we need more Asian American leaders. We need Asian American leaders who will speak out on our behalf, who will lead projects, take initiative, and uplift the community. So if you're listening to this episode right now, I'd love for you to think about the ways that you can lead, whether it's in your work, it's in your personal life, amongst your friends, or at your company. Start something, gather people, and take control of your own voice. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rock the Boat. The Boba Guys just came out with their new book, The Boba Book, and it is already an Amazon bestseller. You can find a link to it in our show notes. I've also included a link to Andrew's original post on Facebook announcing their layoffs. It's a really heartfelt piece, and I think it summarizes what small businesses are going through right now. Please support the podcast by subscribing to it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating if you're listening on iTunes, and definitely tell your friends about it. This episode was written and edited by me, Lucia Liu. Music mixing by Rachel Chu. You can follow us on Instagram at rocktheboatnyc and subscribe to our mailing list for inside news. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all next time.